As a business, you need it all the time. You need capacity that you may have 10 jobs you need to do and you have five trucks. What do you do? And uh, on that, you would say no to the, the, the five other jobs. Now you can hop on our app, book out the trucks and be in them, have your team in them, and manage your, your business through our platform. I love entrepreneurs. I love people that are building stuff. That's what I love to do. I love people to say, hey, I got this idea. And you know, on it, I try to support, give advice um, on it as much as I can. Because at the end of the day, like that's what I love doing too. And I love people going out there and saying, hey, I got this idea. This is the ProCo 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor, hosting ProCo 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs. My guests have built very successful businesses with team members and collaborators who also love all that Colorado has to offer. You've probably seen white vehicles with blue fluid truck logos. This is a Colorado-based truck rental company powered by technology, or is it a tech company that enables vehicle rentals? That's a question I'll explore with today's guest, Jimmy Everhard, founder and CEO of Fluid Truck. Fluid Truck raised $63 million last spring and has been growing fast. Different from other truck rental options, Fluid is peer-to-peer. How that works, even how you can be part of it, that's what we'll be talking about today. So, Jimmy, glad you could join the show. Dave, thanks a lot for having me here. You heard my overview. Why don't you give us yours, though, of Fluid Truck? Sure. Um, so, we're a technology-based rental platform. So, we operate in 40 states around the country. Um and uh, effectively, what we're doing is enabling businesses to go out there and transform their fleet by not having to own one. So yeah, e- effectively, e- you, you hop on the platform today, download the Fluid Truck app from the App Store. And if you wanted to start a business and do deliveries for Amazon or Walmart, rent one truck, rent 50 trucks, and away you go. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the B2B piece of this. We're also going to talk about how these trucks come into your fleet in a minute. But first, I mean... Fluid didn't start as a truck rental company, no. right? It was a much broader yeah. concept. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, the original concept was uh, it was peer-to-peer rental. So think Airbnb for stuff. So you could rent tools, you could rent uh, party equipment, you could rent uh, recreational equipment or trucks. And we kept on seeing this crazy use case where we have people come on, rent a 15-year-old pickup truck to use it in their business. And we're like... That's weird. <laughs> why, why are businesses renting this old inferior truck versus going and buying a truck or going to like a traditional truck rental company to do it? And we really just discovered that we had transformed something we didn't quite realize at that point in time, which was we took it down from being able to rent a truck, which is traditionally done nine to five, Monday through Friday. And something that you're waiting in line if you've ever gone and rented a U-Haul truck uh, Saturday, I mean, you're sitting there for an hour and a half in line. And just hoping that it shows up or that someone, that they've got it, yeah. And uh, we've taken it to a spot where you can do it through your app, be in the truck in two minutes, and away you go, getting the job done. So is that, the, you know, is that the pain point you were solving is sort of not having to go through the old school traditional model, or was there something else? Well, I, I think that the core concepts and like what, the way we look at it is like we're solving the problem of, Everybody owns the same stuff, right? And you'll have a drill that sits in your garage and you use it for 15 minutes a year. Now, on the drill, they don't cost that much and they're not, you know, is, is tough. And so, you know, the, the pain point of having to go borrow it from your neighbor, that becomes sometimes difficult. Yeah. On a truck, I mean, they're expensive, they're big. You very rarely need it as a consumer. 
as a business, you need it all the time and you need capacity that you may have 10 jobs you need to do and you have five trucks. What do you do? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, on that, you would say no to the, the, the five the other jobs. jobs. Yeah, yeah. And now you can hop on our app, book out the trucks and be in them, have your team in them and manage your, your business through our platform. Yeah. So you've, you've mentioned business several times already. Yeah. And you know, we think about peer to peer, we don't really think about B2B so much. Sure. So talk more about this notion of being peer to peer and business. Yeah. Well, it's so peer to peer. I mean, look at it like this is that we have a fleet of hundreds of trucks in every market we, we, we work in. And on that, you're not going to another person. You're just going through the app. Our technology uh, allows you to unlock the vehicle through our application, check it out and be on your way. And you're not interfacing with another person. Now, the ownership of that asset, because we are a, you know, a, a national uh, company for running commercial vehicles, but we don't own a single truck. And so we have other people that buy those trucks exclusively for our platform and they put with us. And so you have this capacity always available to you. Yeah, that's such a weird thing to me that I, I had to get my head around at first. And it's brilliant in a way in that, like if I want to buy a truck, just buy a new truck and stick it in your fleet, yeah. then you manage it, you put yeah. a logo on it, you do all that stuff, right? It becomes a small business for me, doesn't it? Exactly. No, and it's, a, it's something where like if you were to go out and you, you see this today with, like, with an Airbnb where you go out and buy a property to use as a rental property and you hire a property management company to manage it. So that way you never have to go mess with all the hassles or anything that goes along with renting out something. On our side, you know, people go out and buy these trucks. They give them to our fleet management team, and then you just collect money. Well, collect money. I mean, okay, so give me an idea. Are, are people getting substantial amounts of money from this? I mean, yeah, what I kind mean, of return do you get if you buy a $50,000 pickup truck? I mean, on a cash-on-cash -cash basis, like saying you're not putting debt behind it, yeah. um, you look about 19% per year. That's pretty astounding. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in the very early days, it's like, because the, the way the whole program got developed out was some of our early seed investors and myself, we started buying trucks. And uh, you start seeing like, wow, this is pretty impressive. And then it just spiraled from there. And it's been a really a viral program where people start buying trucks for it. It's like, wow, it's, I could go buy rental properties or I could go invest in the stock market or I can buy this asset and just watch it spit out cash. Yeah. You know, that's to me, I would think that with the shortage of vehicles uh, available now, your eyes are getting big. I mean, is that, it, it's, it's gotta be, isn't that limiting your yeah. growth? Cause if people want to buy trucks to invest and put into the fluid fleet right now, they can't do it. Can yeah. they? No, I mean, it's a, it's a challenging point. I mean, we, so we go out there and order all the vehicles from the OEMs. So we work with Ford, Dodge, so Mercedes. you order them and then customers buy them yeah. or investors essentially yeah. say, give you the money for a truck that you've already purchased. Well, so, does... we, so we order all the vehicles and then the groups of uh, what we have is vehicle investors. Um, then from that point, we say, okay, we're going to allocate this many vehicles to this group, this many vehicles to this group. And so that way we're negotiating out scale pricing wow. and uh, getting a uh, huh. uh, vehicle set. And we've become one of the largest, you know, truck consumers. I mean, if you look at those cargo vans you see driving around yeah. the streets, yeah. Um, I mean, we're the third largest consumer of, of cargo vans in the U.S. That's amazing. Yeah. So you don't. What a brilliant model. You don't actually have any capital tied up in the in the actual vehicles themselves. It's. Uh, I mean, the reason why we've been able to go from you know, I mean, we've grown revenue three hundred x in the last three years, and. You and know, you don't own a truck. We don't own any of the assets. And so it's <laughs> been a, a way where, 
I mean, we were able to go from, you know, this time last year, we were in 11 markets in the U.S., and we're in, in 39 today. Wow. And so, you know, we, yeah, we're able yeah. to scale like that because we don't own any assets, and we're able to go all of a sudden spin up new markets, new geographies, and do it very cash efficiently. I got it. I got to poke that a little longer. After I first remind listeners, this is Proco 360, named Best Denver Podcast three years running, and this year named Best Colorado Business Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guest today is Jimmy Eberhard, a fluid truck. Thanks to our sponsors, First Bank, and really thanks to First Bank, who um, I, I think uh, aligns quite well with Colorado's entrepreneurs and supports business owners. Also, thanks to Kinsley Meetings. Steve, I gave you a shout out last time. I'm going to give you one this time too. You're my longest running sponsor and I really appreciate you. Also, Via Technologies, it keeps my website up and running and our newest sponsor, Digital Frontier Printing. Thanks, Sarah. Also, thanks to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for support for me and Proco360. So now, is there any downside to not, Jimmy, is there any downside to not owning any of your vehicles? Um, like if you want to borrow money, you can't borrow, of course you're not borrowing money. You've got investor cash yeah. coming in. You got 63 million, you're working your way through. So maybe you don't, that's not an issue. It's a, uh, I mean, our, our model is, I mean, we're a technology company. I mean, that's yeah, what talk we do. about that. You said, yeah. you know, that's interesting to me too. And, and my next, my next teed up question is like, okay, you say you're a tech company, you're not a truck rental company. Uh, so talk about that. Well, I mean, we don't own any trucks, right? We just own the platform. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess, yeah, now uh, that you've explained it, I yeah. mean, so we've developed out the software that allows you to book it and manages all the reservations. We've uh, built the software that allows us to vet people on the fly and validate who they are remotely. We built the platform that sits inside the vehicle that unlocks it, mobilizes, demobilizes the engine, tracks all the behavior of the driver. It tracks the... I mean, you've got um, like geofencing that... No, yeah, know. of course. And, and then... We look at the maintenance. We predict when the tires need to be changed. We we predict when the oil needs to be changed. And so all that maintenance and everything's done by third-party mobile mechanics that come out, change the oil, change the tires. And so we built all the software that manages all the aspects mm -hmm. of it so it runs on an automated basis. Yeah. Now, you've talked a lot about the B2B side and truck rentals for fleets or truck rentals uh, multiple. You know, when I think about a peer-to-peer, -peer, I think about a consumer, you know, sure. I, like I went on your platform and I saw, you know, I could rent this truck or I could rent this trailer or whatever, but most of your business is B2B as companies or delivery companies or somebody like buying your, or, or renting your stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. No. And that's what it really has become. I mean, I kind of look at it and equate to cloud computing. So, huh. tw I mean, 20 years ago when you were starting up a software business or you would go out and buy servers. You either put them in your office or put them in a colo right, facility. Right, right. You have a network admin that manages it all out. And now today, I mean, you never think twice about going to AWS or Google Cloud to set up all the infrastructure for your uh, software company. And you would never think about buying servers. And so today we have companies that five years ago, they used to own fleets of trucks. That today, they don't own a single truck. They use our platform exclusively and are these to manage the business. Are they, are they using like two trucks a day or a hundred trucks a day? I mean, are these like really serious users of vehicles? Yeah, I mean, we have, uh, we have people that rent hundreds of trucks from us every single day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, across the country. And to you then, for, from their perspective, they don't have any investment. They simply pay as they need, pay as they right. go, kind of like leasing, but without even that. Yeah, without the commitment. Wow. And then it's, you know, that weekend where you, you get that 10 jobs. Um, now you can just flex up and down. 
and go up to that 10 jobs. And then next week, and you have five. And yeah. you don't worry about carrying those assets and having that debt yeah. payment, having that CapEx shift to put out there. Or even the even the maintenance, right? You're doing all even, that for them too. Yeah, exactly. So the price includes maintenance, includes all of the software, everything yep. you'd need to get things going, right? Exactly right. So here's my question. This one just, I'm scratching my head over because I went online and I was looking at stuff. And I could rent a pickup for $9 an hour or $12 yeah. Yeah. an hour. A, how can you do that? And how can anybody investing in this at nine bucks an hour ever make any money? Well, I mean, when you go out there and you're renting it for nine bucks an hour, you're going to rent it, use it for three three or four hours, and then you come back and someone else is going to go in there and use it for three or four hours. And you know, going out there and you look at being able to take multiple people across the day, yeah, allow them to access an asset that they, that they need to get the job done, do it cost effectively, takes away the need to actually own those vehicles right, but giving right. you access to it. And so you, you bring that together by taking all the different components together. I mean, you can generate pretty sizable money. Yeah, but aren't you, I mean, I think about it. If I need a pickup for a couple hours, I really need a pickup for a couple hours. Yeah. Why don't you rent it to me for a hundred bucks? Why are you renting it for 12? I mean, we're, we're trying to transform how assets are used. I mean, going back to that, you know, everybody owning that same thing, that looking at that concept yeah, of yeah. how do we take an asset and make it easy, ubiquitous for anybody to have access to it, to get the job done. I mean, a lot of people that, you know, if you're charged $100, they, they can't afford that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you end up putting them in a spot where they can't effectively get the job done, which limits their ability to go out there and create and build on top of their business. And so we can go out there and drive the cost of, you know, getting access to vehicles way down. And be able to allow people to to use our platform to stand up a business to go out there and create. You sound a bit like an evangelist. I mean, do you really think you're enabling business to businesses to start Without and grow? Doubt, yeah. I mean, we, we have businesses today that are like, you know, it's been amazing what you guys have done. I, I built my business off this. Without this, you know, they start off as a sole proprietor by themselves. Next thing you know, they're using 20, 30 trucks a day and have built a business right off our platform. And they never had to buy anything, which enabled them to get started. Exactly. And so like, the same way that we're scaling, they are too. Of course, if you would, if you still rented tools, they could, wouldn't have to buy those either, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. And, and I'm sure someone else will come out there and solve the tool problem on there. So they'll get access, access to well, that as well. You know, we've seen these, and I've, I've read about them, uh, you know, people who are renting camping gear and other kinds sure. of things, but you know, that doesn't seem scalable the way your, your business has been scalable. Yeah. Plus they have to own it. Like I'm not going to buy a backpack to put in somebody. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about them. So, <laughs> but I always wonder, so here's, so I always wonder whether, before I even go on to that, I'm going to remind listeners once more, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Jimmy Eberhard of Fluid Truck. Please go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. So here's a, uh, this is always my question too. When I think about tech-enabled industries or tech-transformed industries, as you're talking about, I mean, think about Uber and taxis or Amazon and grocery stores. Sure. The 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 when an outsider comes in and disrupts with technology, the uh, you know the old school player always like, oh my god, how could that have ever happened? And we always say, what the hell? Why weren't you like thinking ahead? But then like taxis or grocery stores, they're trying to catch up. They want to become tech-enabled. Yeah. So. Is U-Haul going to now become your, you know, a tech-enabled competitor? I mean, I, I don't see U-Haul as being a competitor. I mean, we are, we're out there working across businesses to enable them out. And so, I mean, we partner with retailers. I mean, like Ikea was uh, one of our first uh, partners out there that was a retailer that was like, we have a big problem. How do we get uh, scalable vehicles that are high-quality safe? And, and they also were looking for electric vehicles. 
how do we get that out to the contractors that deliver packages for us? And so we were able to take our platform, take the electric vehicles, couple them together, and then all of a sudden, they have a whole electric fleet that's well, delivering packages. You know the guys at Lightning Hybrid. I don't know. Maybe you should connect oh, with yeah. them. They've been uh, on the podcast. I mean, yeah, Tim Reeser has uh, yeah. been a great partner of ours. Awesome to work with them. Oh, cool. Uh, so uh, shifting gears a little bit about your background. I mean, you've done some things before. One thing that's intriguing is that uh, before Fluid, you created a texting technology that let people donate to the Red Cross following the 2018 earthquake in Haiti. I mean, at that time, that was like a new thing. Now we're yeah. like- didn't that always exist? Like, wasn't I born with that? But, but I mean, what's the story, you know, around that? Um, I mean, so the previous company I, I built, a company called Nine Squared, um, where it was the first company to launch downloadable ringtones in the U.S. And so I sold that company. Um, and after kind of selling ringtones to little kids for, you know, three times the price you pay on iTunes for one-sixth the content, I'm like, you know, I got, I got to go out and do something that gives back. And I'm like, you know what, like uh, if we could set up a mechanism where uh, charities that do good work, they get media attention, and we could figure out a way to uh, attach a easy mechanism for, for people to give money to a charity that's doing well, um, it allows them to fund what they're doing. Instead of going yeah. to 10 people and say, I want $100,000, you know, you go to 100,000 people and have them give $10 and you raise a million dollars either way. So for this way is something that really creates this perpetual network where the better work they do, the more media attention they get. They have that text message call to action where that perpetuates you know revenue coming back to them. Yeah. And you streamline the whole fundraising mechanism. That's cool. And and uh was that that was a business as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you're no longer doing that. No. Right. That's that you moved on and yeah. here we are at Fluid. So what brought you to Colorado? Um, I'm born and raised. I grew up in Broomfield. And and when you think about Colorado as the home for fluid, you know, what role do you think Colorado's played in, in your success? I mean, I mean, Fluid, I've started a bunch of companies in Colorado. It's always been the place I, I uh, start them up. I mean, I've moved away to, after selling the retail company, I moved to London. Um, you know, I was doing uh, Mobile Accord and Geopole. I'm, I ended up moving to D.C. Um, and then when starting up uh, Fluid, I mean, this has been the home, my home ground. Yeah. Like, you know, Denver's a good market to to be a springboard. I mean, there's good talent that's coming out here that's moving out that is looking for something new. Well, you've said some things. You even wrote an article, I can't remember, I think uh, that had to do with Denver as opposed to, you know, not, not not more broadly Colorado about how Denver's become sort of a great place to to build a company. I mean, what's your, what are you seeing now? I mean, you've attracted $63 million. It seems like more and more companies are raising substantial money in, in Colorado. I mean, what are you seeing? What are you feeling about that? Um, yeah, I, I think... It, a lot of people have this vision that you need to go to uh, Silicon Valley um, or to New York to raise cash. And I think, you know, the world's becoming a smaller and smaller place. And you see companies building big stuff outside the valley. Um, and I think there's still a mantra inside the valley. I've, I've been told it by you know, big investors out there where it's like, well, okay, you're gonna, you know, we're interested in investing in what you're doing, but when are you going to be out here? Yeah. And... Uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it has been hard to raise money outside of the Valley just because they think that you need to be out there. And the thing is that the Valley is not, I mean, innovation comes there. And I think part of it is there's so much money sloshing around there that, you know, you look at like WeWork. I mean, the amount of money that they raised, I mean, you could, there was other people that were doing and building great uh, co-working spaces, but the amount of money that WeWork had 
they could go undercut anybody and go out there and just trash the industry, and they did. And so, you know, I kind of look is that, you know, when you get so much money and you have so much capital, it's hard not to be successful because you all of a sudden have, <laughs> you know, five, 10, 50 bites the apple on it. And yeah. so you don't have to be as a, um, efficient of an entrepreneur as a. So do you, so do you think interrupting, I mean, I'm sorry, but you think being an entrepreneur in Colorado, what I'm hearing is that you feel like there's enough opportunity to raise the money you need. There's just not this excess craziness of funding and that's what the valley really has is an excess amount of funding i mean you look at like companies that are just getting funded out with hundreds of millions of dollars yeah, in like a yeah. series a and it's like wow i mean yeah. it's just an idea and you're, they're gonna go out there and raise and i mean there really is very few places on the planet where you can go out and raise that type of yeah. money on an idea and the valley is one of those places yeah. but what i'm hearing is that in colorado with a good idea you can raise the amount of money you need. You're just not going to be, people aren't going to be throwing crazy amounts at you. They're not going to be throwing crazy amounts at you, but I think also it's a, it's a different ecosystem um, than what you have in the Bay Area. Um, but on it, it uh, causes you to be a lot more focused. It causes you to uh, uh, be a lot more deliberate, think through things. And you're not yeah. just going out there and saying, hey, I'm just going to build yeah. this because, and then you know someone's going to write me a, $50 million check. I mean, it took us a long time to get to this spot and the caliber. I mean, we were, when we raised that round, I mean, we were, you know, operating 11 markets. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. that was our series A. So mm -hmm. yeah. Big series A. I mean, a really $63 million yeah. big series A. It's a big series A yeah. outside the Valley, but it's also, we kind of grown past a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a, a, a series typical, A. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to shift gears a little bit as we kind of move, wrap up a little bit. I mean, Golden, Goldman Sachs named you among the 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs in 2021. Intriguing is, well, it's an, in, it's an intriguing, <laughs> it's an intriguing word. word. Yeah. <laughs> sort, of, sort of a silly word. I don't know. And in fact, it plays into this notion of weird egocentric entrepreneurs, which, you know, I'm not finding that much in Colorado actually, but thinking back, you know, in your experiences and on Fluid, I mean, when innovation happens for you, how, how does that happen? I mean, I think it's at the core, it's, you see a problem and you're like, okay, how can we go solve this? Um, and I mean, the problem that we were originally trying to solve with fluid was we all own the same stuff. How do we get easy access so you can make goods transferable so you don't have to own the same way, but it also kind of starts with a, a problem. And then you go to the next step is like, okay, what's the total addressable market? Like how big yeah. could this be? And a lot of times you, you'll solve a problem, but it's, you know, solving such a, a small niche that you can't ever get to scale. And so it's trying to find the yeah. problem, uh, teaming that up with uh, uh, a market that's big enough, or the problem may be so big that it causes a lot of fractionalized markets around. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you can consolidate them together, but it's it's really trying to identify that and go through the steps. And You know, that's what's, to me, that's super interesting because I'm sure you had this sort of flash that said, what if we did what you're doing, right? And then it becomes like, Holy shit! You know we could be in thirty. Wait, how many markets are you in? Uh, Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine in how many years? Um, business started in sixteen, but we went yeah. from so five years to thirty-nine markets, yeah. right? I mean, at some point you just when you're thinking this through, say, no, I can't. No, no. You, I, I mean, mean <laughs> you always start off with saying, hey. I mean, you have to have that ambition and that uh, optimism that you can get there, right? And the, uh, you know. You have to have a lot of things that go right. And, you know, yeah. let's not discredit luck because luck is a part of all this. So the more chances you take, the more times you go after it, 
more the more bites of the apple you're yeah. going to have. But well, is there is I'm sure you've had other ideas, other big ideas, and some you brought to the market. Do you is is there some sort of a Jimmy filter that says like that you you use to like wonder whether something really has legs or really could do something? I mean, I'm a builder, so I'm like, let's try it out. And a lot of you get to him like, hey, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Well, when you don't have to actually own many vehicles to try it, right? But you did have to build out the tech. That had to be a big deal. Oh, yeah. We we spent a lot of money building out the tech. I mean, we started in 16, and we spent a lot of cash figuring out what we're going to be when we grow up. And so we were were super disciplined on, you know, how we spent money and very cautious on that side. Um, We tried out lots of different things. And we'd see like business cases, like that's pretty compelling. Mm. And then you start really digging through the data and the analysis of it and saying, is it that big? How hard it, it how hard is it to acquire customers? Um, you know, what are the unit economics and how do you set things up for success? Yeah. That's that to me, it's, it's a, a great, another great visionary sort of story, but it's, it, to me, it's interesting because you could start it, even though you've grown super fast, you could start it small, couldn't you? You always start small. Yeah. Well, some people don't, but I mean, I, it's, I mean, I mean, you don't have to be at a massive scale yeah. in order to test to see if it's going to work. You could be one market with three trucks and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we started in Denver. I mean, you know, yeah. we started in Denver in 16 and we opened up our, our first market outside of Denver in 19. Yeah. That's well, so a few years of getting up to yeah. speed. Yeah. So what's something, putting fluid aside, putting everything you've done aside, just from your innovators hat. Like what's something you see in the market that somebody is going to need to do soon that ought to be fixed, that ought to be addressed? What are you seeing? Well, I think, I mean, we're going through one of those crazy times where you see rapid innovation. I kind of like put this up against like the steam engine or, you know, cell phones or the industrial revolution. Um, And so we're watching consumer behavior being transformed in a rapid basis around our, just right in front of our eyes. I mean, COVID's accelerated a natural habit that people have been changing how they consume. And it used to be you, you want something, you drive to a store, you buy what you need and drive back. And the COVID's made it so buying toilet paper is became dangerous. And so, you know, once you order toilet paper online, have it shipped to your house instead of, you know, going to a store – Okay, but you know you don't get a lot of marginal utility of going to a store, buying toilet yeah, paper, yeah, yeah, carrying yeah. it, putting your car, coming home, and so you know if you kind of look and you just follow the pathway of when you see rapid change happening in a very quick period of time, most of the big companies that control that space, they can't pivot and move. I mean, the bigger you get, the harder it is to turn yeah, the ship, yeah. and so it gives an opportunity for entrepreneurs to come out there and say, okay, let's let's follow the pathway behind consumer behavior and where it's changing. And how do we invent something that's going to, you know, get goods or services to somebody, allow them to order it digitally? And I think, you know, that's well, the You're just describing Amazon. Where, where's, what's, well, what, what are you thinking past that? But, but Amazon's, you know, basically trying to, re- is trying to change how the store works, right? But look at all the things that come around of you want goods or services to your house. How do they get there? And so, like, the, we're watching stores disappear um, you know, we've seen a lot of big conglomerates that yeah. have gone out of cycle, but take it one step past Amazon. So, you know, dark stores, you know, uh, dark, uh, you look at like a dark restaurants where people are just spinning yeah. up a restaurant. I mean, like DJ Khaled uh, just stood up his, uh, what his chicken wings. That is a national, I think a global launch of 
doing uh, chicken wing sales. Yeah, but no, but no, no, no in, restaurants, no right? in person. Yeah, and so like on yeah, that, yeah, like yeah. you know, uh, hmm. the commie and you know, so was, you see a lot of that coming. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, yeah. you know, the ability to go use your phone. I mean, the ability to stand up a restaurant or a, any type of service and have goods delivered to your house. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, and I bet we do see some of that. And last question for you, as as someone recognized as a successful innovator, I mean, people must come up to you like all the time. Hey, I got this idea, or I'm thinking about this. How do you vet? I mean, what do you tell them when you know they approach you with their It'll next never greatest thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love entrepreneurs. I love people that are building stuff. That's what I love to do. I love people saying, "Hey, I got this idea," and you know, on it, I try to support, give advice. Um, on it as much as I can. Cause at the end of the day, like that's what I love doing too. And I love people going out there and say, hey, I got this idea. I want to give it a go. And like, you know, coach him on like, you know, I'm always rooting for the, the small guy to go out there and build something in his garage and, you know, figure out how to take it around the globe. Cool. Well, let's wrap up on that. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. And today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Jimmy Eberhard of Fluid Truck. Jimmy, thanks for a great conversation. Dave, thanks a lot for having me here. Yeah, Appreciate what it. an amazing, what an amazing success story. Um, growing from Colorado. By the way, before I do wrap up, I mean, what are you seeing for fluid? Um, I mean, we're going to continue out there to transform how fleets are used. It can transform how um, people use assets um, and really make it easier, quicker, cheaper, less risk for them to go out there and build off our platform. Wow. So maybe uh, camper vans are next. You'll start creating this hybrid between fluid and and Airbnb or VRBO or something, huh? There's, there's people out there doing it. I mean, we're, we're more focused on how do we allow people and businesses to stand yeah. up and build. And so, I mean, we're, we're in 40 markets or almost 40 markets in the U.S. You know, we'll, we'll move uh, overseas um, and continue to build out, you know, across the globe. That's cool. I didn't realize how much you um, were actually enabling small businesses to stand up and get going. That's what we do, yeah. That's super cool. Do you have stories of that that you know, oh, yeah, I should have asked doubt. you about? Without a doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, like just, you know, people that were starting a movie company, one person, you know, and went from one person to, you know, having 15 employees, you know, just in the course of a year. Wow. Listeners, glad you're here on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. And by the way, I should give a shout out to Emily joining us in the studio. Thanks again to show sponsors, First Bank, Kinsley Meetings, Via Technologies, Digital Frontier Printing, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.